night, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Half Ashed. My name is Craig Schneider. That gentleman, 1,850 miles southeast of me, is none other than Mr. Kip Fisher. And we are coming to you live for the 163rd time this 28th day of April, 2017. It has been nearly a month since we've recorded last, Kip. Can you believe that we're that delinquent? Uh, what's even worse is I don't think I've ever published the last show. <laughs> it was like six weeks. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> ah, ah, folks, you see what I deal with? Really, we'd have a show three times a week if it was just me. Ah. Um, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we got to change the subject real quick. Uh, Mr. Fisher, how are you? I'm all right, I reckon. Got nothing to complain about. Better than terrible, as we said earlier. Yeah. Uh-uh. Things could be better, but they could be worse. So, I suppose things could always be better, and they could always be worse. As long as you recognize that uh, that lovely fact, you're probably going to have a smile on your face. Yeah. How about yourself? Uh, uh, pretty bad. Yeah. <laughs> things have changed in the past five minutes. <laughs> No, I'm uh, I am doing wonderfully. I I had some offsite training this week, so I was uh, away from the area, not not doing normal job site stuff. So it was a little hectic, a lot of miles, a lot of windshield time. But uh, had a few cigars, had uh, some quality time with the family when I did get to see them again, and uh, it's turned into a nice week and Ooh. a nice month. April's been good. We haven't spoken. Uh, on the show all month yet. That's right. Oh. That's ridiculous, huh? Did you have a tramp stamps this week? Uh, tramp stamp? No, because I was in the car driving. Yeah, every time you say you're in the car with a cigar, I think of your tramp stamp experience. Oh, my gosh. I, I don't think I ever wanted to, well, have bad things happen to me to put me out of my misery. That was horrendous. Oh. <laughs> This, I don't know if you got your video on. I had one earlier today, which I'm not done with. I'll probably finish tomorrow morning. You smoked a stump of a tramp stamp? Well, not, I have a stump left. I'm going to smoke the rest of it tomorrow morning. Well, okay. I guess that makes more sense. Ah, man, me and tramp stamps? I don't think I'll have another one in my mouth ever. <laughs> Hello. We're still talking about cigars, right? <laughs> Uh, no, I am, uh, I am very good. The cigars that I did choose to have in the car were milder cigars, ones that were flavorful and not, uh, not butt kicking. So they were enjoyed very much. So, and, uh, the garden's all planted, uh, the yard is taken care of and ready for summer. I got kids that have learned about, uh, how fun basketball can be. So we're playing, uh, uh, father-son basketball games at my house. It's it's been it's been a pretty good month. Everything short of the Blackhawks getting swept has been pretty enjoyable. Well, cool. Good to hear. Yeah, it's uh, it's good to have happen for Pete's sake. Yeah. What Blah, about uh, what about the family? Everybody good on your end? Yeah, I guess since our last show, I've been pretty quiet. My uh, my mom was down. The week leading up to Easter, she came down to visit, which was pretty cool. That went well. Got to take her around a little bit and see some of the sites, but Holy Week's kind of a big deal here. Uh, 
big part of the country just shuts down for that week. And so there's a lot of things that weren't open, but we were able to spend some time and hit a few things. If I can get the camera to focus. I, uh, I tell you what, man, Holy Week for me was much the same way. Everything was shut down on my end. I bet I slept. Oh, yeah? uh, gosh. I bet I slept over Easter week or Easter weekend, 35 hours. Wow. I was destroyed with a stomach bug. Absolutely destroyed. So it was, uh, it was pretty rough for me. I don't normally get hit that hard, but (laughs) it hit me. What's this dive bomb dude? Did you get a kamikaze insect? No, I got startled. I muted myself because there was a motorcycle coming by. And he was dragging chains behind him, and then he got to the corner, and the, his bike backfired and startled me just as I was turning the mute back off. Why would someone drag chains behind a motorcycle? I don't have questions like... anymore. <laughs> you did say that rather uh, directly. Yeah, there's this <laughs> guy driving down the street, dragging chains behind him, and his motorcycle backfired. Yeah. Just a matter of fact. He's... Probably one of the guys that we see all kinds of things carried on motorcycles, but lately there's a, a number of guys that drive around here that cut grass and whatnot. And there are these push mowers, like push lawnmowers showing up on the backs of motorbikes running all over town these days. Like, are they dragging them and mowing using the lawn, using the motorcycle? No, they, they put them up on the seat with them and tie them to the bike. Oh, wow. That's uh, clever. Yeah. And there are these, these bikes. There's a, you can rent washing machines here if you don't own one. You can rent them for the, for the day. And a guy on a motorcycle will show up at your house with a washing machine on it and drop it off in the morning and come back in the afternoon and pick it up. <laughs> and they... <laughs> Uh, okay, go on. I, I'm not teasing, and I, we have seen two washing machines on one motorcycle. That's a real thing, but that's that's not even the point of the story. I always wonder because they build these these frames on them behind the driver that have, it's a platform. It's big enough to hold two washing machines, and I always wondered. What do they do with that bike? They can't just lay it down, and a kickstand's not going to hold that thing up with all that weight, you know, push, pulling laterally. And so I saw the other day what they do. I finally saw one that was actually parked and not being driven. Is they have they've cut sections of broom handles, and they just prop them under that frame and stand it up on the sidewalk. Oh my gosh, <laughs> it's the funniest thing. I. Uh... I don't even have words. That country is mm-hmm. incredibly ingenuitive. Yeah, it, it really is. Holy cow. Everything from wiring a house to hauling a, a washing machine. Uh, yeah. yay, yay. We have a long list of things we encountered on, around, or through, or over, and by motorcycles. The, um, we have, we, reached a maximum load of seven people on one motorcycle. Oh, 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 oh. Yeah. <laughs> only one was an adult, but still you've got six kids on a bike. It's crazy. 
And but my very favorite, and I think I've told you this before, was one day. It was about this time last year, maybe a little earlier in the year. We were doing the Spanish class, and we were coming home one day from that, and encountered a bike coming the wrong way on our street, which is normal. And here comes another one. Boy, oh boy, I. Uh... <laughs> I was him backfiring again. <laughs> Every block when he slows down. Um, there it was again. Anyway, this bike's coming at us the wrong way. But, but the driver has what looks to be the cabinet from like a bathroom vanity. Okay. That they have put down over him. Like over top of him. <laughs> Tell me his arms are out the doors. His arms are out. Ah, good grief. Wow, man, oh, man, it uh, it is crazy out there by you tonight, my man. Yeah, it is. So they had the cabinet over him and his arms out the doors holding the, the handlebars and a guy outside the cabinet behind him reaching around holding the door open so he can keep <laughs> his arm. <laughs> and I was like, why do we not have a dash cam? Uh, folks, we will be crowdfunding Kip's dash cam uh, <laughs> uh, opportunities after tonight's show. Head to GoFundMe.com. <laughs> aye, aye, aye. Every single morning, I take Christy and the kids to school before I head off where I'm, wherever I'm going that day because they have to be there quarter to seven. And there's this guy who sells who knows what, uh, some kind of food stuff, empanadas or whatever. And he carries his whole setup on a motorcycle, which includes two patio tables. And he takes one and flips it upside down and sits on it with the legs vertical. And then the other, he feeds the legs kind of woven in horizontally into the vertical legs. And so it looks like he has a turtle shell, this big patio table behind him, <laughs> riding down the road. And we see that guy every morning. Uh, <laughs> oh gosh, I love it. That's uh Ah, oh, I don't know, man. Hilarious. Does it even cover it? Sometimes not. <laughs> well, I we, uh, have, we have become calloused. Nothing nothing raises many eyebrows these days. Well, I, I know that you live in the Dominican Republic. You see a lot of fun things, but you also have access and the ability to see a lot more new cigars than, uh, than we do in the States. And I believe the last time that you and I were recording, you were saying that you were going to go visit someone. Is that correct? Weren't you going back to Terry's place? I, I did. Actually, I ended up uh, – one of the folks that works with Terry is, aside from working at the, the factory, is a lawyer. <laughs> so I'm taking advantage of her knowledge trying to get our residency in order. So Christy and I ended up going to her house, and she gave me a couple of new things to try. And I don't know exactly what I can – say about it just yet yeah i can yeah. tell you off the air because i know at least one of them he's still taking care of some naming and trademark things before uh b before that's all publicized but 
I can tell you they were both pretty good. Oh, good. One, one in particular I liked a lot and is a far stronger blend than anything he's had before. Oh, good, good. Yeah. Well, and he has offered to send you some, and, and we can talk about them on the show in the near future. Well, I, uh, I look forward to that. I'm going to be going out to uh, the town where Terry lives in June, so just about five weeks or so. So I'll, uh, I'm going to connect with him. I've oh. already talked to my old man, and things are a little bit better than last time I visited in terms of uh, me being able to have a cigar. So I'm hoping I can spend some time with Terry when I'm there. That'll be, that'll be look, something I'm looking forward to. Yeah, because he gave me some crap not too long ago that you had been out there last time and not hit him up for a visit. Yeah, that was uh, that was by choice, not having anything to do with him. Rather, uh, just being respectful of the family situation. My old man was trying to quit, and uh, yeah, I, you know, just support. I, that's, I don't think there's very many more difficult things that my dad's ever done than uh, try to try to quit inhaling cigars and be independent on that nicotine delivery system, you know? So, uh, uh, just one of those things trying to, to not encourage that or not, not encourage. That's the wrong thing. Trying to not uh, promote that anymore than I needed to when I was there. So, right. So. Um, I'm digging up an old, uh, WhatsApp conversation here with Terry and, uh, one of the lines he actually has said, we can go ahead and talk about a little bit. He's, he's just calling it Excepcionales, which is a fairly common name for cigars. They're exceptional. Mm-hmm. Um, but he's pretty proud of the blend, and I really enjoyed it, too. It's it's, uh, it's a Dominican Puro, but it's not just because it's Dominican, but it's all tobacco grown by his farmers, his co-op of guys. He has grown tobacco for him specifically. That's cool. Which is pretty cool. Yeah. And I don't know every last detail about the blend, except it's Criollo 98 and Piloto, Piloto Cubano. And Mm -hmm. uh, and a Criollo 98 binder also filler. That's the filler mix and a Criollo 98 binder. And the wrapper is grown by them, but uh, he didn't give me a name for that, so I don't know. But the other one, the name is not. Hmm. Anywho, none of this has any bearing on what we're smoking tonight, and uh, I think maybe you got like a whole metric buttload of information to share about this cigar. Yeah, we haven't uh, we haven't really said what we're smoking tonight, but uh, keen eyes have probably seen it. Um, we are having the Cohiba Maduro Five. Magicos, um, and these are an original release cigar uh, from early to mid-2007. Let me get to the different page here. Hold on one second. All right, so uh, box code for this is an LSO June 2007. Uh, Cohiba Magico. So this is, oh, it's all gone and I didn't measure it. I believe it is a 52 by four and a half. Maybe a 54 by four and a half. No, I think it's a 52. Um, <clears throat> so it's, 
it's roughly that Rothschild size, but these cigars from the uh, original production run of the first non-limited post-revolution Maduro cigar to come out of Cuba. That's kind of a mouthful, but basically what it boils down to is after uh, the Cuban Revolution or the American embargo of Cuba, there has never been uh, a Maduro cigar made that wasn't a limited edition um, coming out of Cuba. It's just not something that was done uh, on the island. So in 2002, Cuba decided to change that. And so they started aging the Maduro wrapper leaves that would eventually become the wrapper on the Cohiba Maduro cigars. Um, they are available in three Vitolas, the Secretos, which is roughly a Tre Petit Corona, the Magicos, as uh, we've discussed here, roughly a Rothschild, and the Genios, which is a Toro. Um, these, it, you know, maybe it's just a little bit of a thicker Robusto. It's somewhere in that range, though. Uh, these cigars were met with much anticipation, but limited success. They were heralded as the best non-Cuban cigar to come out of Cuba. Uh, yes, I said that correctly. And uh, the much maligned cocoa and coffee flavors of the, orig- of the initial release reminded smokers of non-Cuban flavors. So for those of us who happen to love cigars from all countries, these cigars represented kind of a holy grail uh, to the small population that could appreciate the marriage in style and sensation of Cuban tobacco with a non-Cuban mentality when blending. Um, Full-bodied, without being strong, these cigars were sweet, rich, and not at all overpowering. Um, Went on, they were some of the best Maduro examples ever to be sold, in my opinion. And uh, this box is an original to the first shipments hitting the global market and has been in my possession for nearly 10 years now. I think I got them in July of 2007. Um, I broke that box open just for this occasion, and until just now, I have uh, yet to smoke a single one of this uh, of this box, and also of this Vitola. So I have smoked numerous boxes of the Secretos, Secretos, however that's pronounced. Secretos. Secretos, okay, and found them to uh, kind of run the gamut between being acceptable and one box was absolutely flawless. So uh, we are hitting this uh, Magicos, and and uh, I think you sounded as if you've really enjoyed it. So any uh, any desire to kind of share some front end flavors? Sure. Uh, one of the things that is appealing to me so much about this so far is uh, it's, I don't think it's a big secret that I'm a fan of some amount of spice in cigars. I really like Nicaraguan cigars because of the spice I find in them. And this, while not like a My Father Number 1 or anything like that, it definitely has more spice than the typical Cuban fare that, that we've smoked over the past four years. And I'm kind of grooving on that. It, it I don't know. I, I think I'm catching more. You, you described some cocoa and coffee. I would pick up more toward coffee than cocoa so far. There's not just a great deal of sweetness uh, to be, but I'm kind of grooving on what's, what's there. Yeah, I absolutely. Uh, one of the things that I was going to jump in and say with my kind of little roundup here was that 
I have zero of the coffee and cocoa right now on my front end, the traditional coffee and cocoa flavor. Um, I am, am crisp, very crisp, almost in like a broadleaf type of crispness is how this is coming across. Um, now the coffee flavor, uh, it is not kind of a dark roast espresso coffee. Um, or even a lot of times with, uh, Maduro's, you kind of get a, a real creamy kind of a, uh, what am I, what am I wanting to say? Latte, uh, almost coffee flavor. This is not that this is like, uh, um, a light roast or a morning roast coffee where you're getting that crispness to come across with almost a more beany coffee flavor rather than a, a real heavily roasted um, coffee. So it's it's a variation that was not in the younger versions of these cigars that I smoked. So I don't have experience with this Vitola. It's the only box of them that I have, and I wanted to open it on – actually wanted to break this box on the 20-year age, but uh, we broke it on the 10 for good reason. I'm more than happy to have done so. Um, but, uh, it's, it's been interesting so far. I'm half an inch into it and, uh, looking to see how that flavor progresses. I am hoping that it deepens a touch as it goes on. Um, but I, I tend to think that a lot of cigars with this flavor, that lighter crispness grows as the cigar progresses. And I, for some reason, I think this might, uh, this might counter that a little bit, and I think that would do well for the cigar. Dig it. Yeah. When you were describing uh, the broadleaf and some of the more typical flavors there, all, all I was thinking of is the 858 Maduro. It, it, to me, is the epitome of what you were describing in, in a broadleaf wrapper. Mm. I love that cigar almost as much as the Sun Grown Brother has. Am I am I off in saying that this has a uh, little in common with kind of that crisp uh, spice that you find with uh, a broadleaf? No, not not off at all. It does have that. And had you given had this shown up as an unbanded, I would not have guessed it to be a Cuban cigar. And so far, I'm I'm most of an inch, maybe a full inch into it at this point. It, it just because it's a little more spicy than what I would normally characterize just based on this friggin' car driving by bothering me, but just based <laughs> on our history of, of what you've shared and what I've smoked that with much less age on them, even out of uh, the stores here. Um, it's just different to me. It's not, it's not, uh, I don't know what I'm trying to say here. It's not, it doesn't come across in that same genre. Uh, just if I were smoking it blindly. Hmm. Well, I completely agree with you. It does not, uh, as that initial write-up that I put together states, it does not uh, really have the essence of a straight Cuban cigar. Um, that is not a bad thing. It's just a, a wonderful marriage of the Cuban, non-Cuban um, sensations and, and mentality. So I like it. Uh, I liked it then. I like it now. And, um, I, I, I really do think that as I, as we were kind of talking about this, I don't know if it was the power of suggestion or literally that the cigar is just progressing, but it is definitely, um, 
building up more of that coffee flavor. It is less in the background and that kind of light roast coffee um, uh, is there. I, I like it. It's, it, it's starting to uh, come to the forefront. Yeah. And I'll throw this in there too. It, you know, I'm a tinkerer with technique and I like to retro hell a lot, uh, nearly every puff and kind of mix that up with, you know, more or less air pulled into the side stream <laughs> to coin a non-existent word to mix that on the palate with air. And if you dilute the smoke, considerably with air and then retro hell it's much softer and comes across a little sweeter to me anyway and and maybe less acidic than just just the smoke hmm. yeah that's a good way of putting it i'm gonna knock this off it's not showing any sign of falling but this ash is getting out there now and i'm afraid it's going to dump in my lap It is superbly constructed. Flies in the face of everything Bob McDuffie ever taught me about cigars from Cuba. You know, you can get. Actually, let me ask you a question. <laughs> the head of the head of your cigar, when you cut it, what what does that look like? If you look down, does it just look flat across like a normal guillotine cut, no, or I don't is know there a valley? There's a a divot. I mean, yeah. it's it's a it's like a it's concave, okay. just in the center. Maybe the the central portion of it's kind of a bowl, a very slight little bowl. So I I would be very interested if um, <clears throat> your firsthand uh, inner dealings with some of the manufacturers down there, if you wouldn't mind. Uh, maybe even saving the head of this cigar and asking them a little bit about it. Um, finding out if they have any opinion as to the method of bunching that would provide that, um, that divot. So I had been told a number of years ago when I was very much, I don't want to say very much a newbie to cigars, but when I was just starting to dive into my obsession with Cuba, Cuban cigars, Cuban culture, Cuban manufacturing, so on and so forth, I was told that some of the original rollers from the 60s, post-revolution, 60s, who learned then and were 40, 50 years in, in the early aughts, um, this is a, 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 a trademark that they brought to um, rolling a cigar. They bunched and wrapped, bunched and or wrapped the cigars in a manner that would create this divot at the head. And it's a typically a sign of a better produced cigar, a, a, a better rolled cigar. It's done by a master, uh, air quotes around master. I, I've seen it before and I'd never paid attention until you pointed it out on some other cigar we were smoking. Um, and, and, but I seem to recall there being a little flap of tobacco even kind of laying in that divot. I mean, down underneath the cap or even a part of the cap when it came off there. Sure, sure. Just be that. I, actually, I know exactly who I'm going to ask, and it's no one you would guess because you have no clue who this person is. Um, <laughs> okay. <laughs> there's this uh, older lady, um, I'm guessing 80-ish, 
that lives in the mountains and my friend Nick and I, we got new tires, both of us back in January and we saved our old tires because it lives down a very steep, very, very steep hill. Michael Stewart, who's in the chat room, has actually been to her house uh, when he was down. And you got to walk down a ridiculous hill, and it gets muddy when it rains, and it's nearly impossible for uh, somebody my age to go up and down this stupid thing too often. But she's, you know, 80 years or older, and she was a roller for Leon Jimenez, the La Aurora parent company, or, or vice versa. <laughs> However that panned out, they're not even the same company anymore. But for decades, she rolled cigars, and she's been retired for many, many years. I, I know she was retired for some number of years and moved to the States for a decade and then has moved back down here. She has a, a couple of kids that live in the States, and she uh, she was a torcedora. So I know she, at least in this country, not in Cuba, she was rolling at that time and maybe had some experience with the old guard. Because it's not something I commonly see these days. Um, you know, we have seen it in a couple of cigars, but it's not certainly not common. Well, I've kind of always wondered if that's just a colloquial thought of, oh, yeah, the old, better rollers would roll that way, but the new kids on the block don't do it. I'm not able to get in the chat. Let's try that. Oh, it did work that time. Oh. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Oh, well. Uh, all right. We can, uh, I suppose we can get back to broadcasting mm -hmm. this show. Yeah. Sorry. Play. This is how we uh, do it. Uh, yeah, uh, folks, if you want it to be the full money, go somewhere else. This is half-ashed. Why do you think we're named that? The full Monty. <laughs> the full Monte Cristo. Oh, see what I did there? Oh, I see what you did there. That was funny. All right. Oh. Well, hey, as always, stick around. We got news, cigars, obviously a new cigar to both of us. And uh, it wouldn't be half-assed without a couple jokes and some laughter. So stick around if you dare. It's sure to be another fun night of conversation, friends, cigars, and, well, it's me. So rum. There, there will be rum. <laughs> Your one glass a week. Yeah, I didn't say how, uh, how many ounces that glass was, but <laughs> my <one>. tumbler. Yeah. <laughs> uh, no, I, I'm actually, this is a, it's a rum and soda. I have club soda and rum tonight, so it's not uh, it's not even uh, full on uh, hard liquor. So there you go. No, I know, I know. It's it's rum light. <laughs> it's rum light, exactly. It's coca light. Uh, you, you can't you can't get diet coke here normally. Uh -huh, they uh -huh. have coke coke light in English but it's it's entirely different and I've yet to encounter a person that drinks Diet Coke who will drink the Coke light here. <laughs> Christy just quit entirely after we moved. Good for her. It's probably better for her. No. Anyway, she quit <sighs> Diet Coke. She drinks regular Coke now. Oh. <laughs> oh well, just, okay. Never not mind. just regular Coke. This is uh, same stuff they sell in the States as Mexican Coke with Cane sugar instead of corn syrup. 
Yeah, yeah. Well, they, uh, there was some study that came out on Monday this week that said uh, artificial sweeteners have been uh, linked pretty aggressively to uh, uh, dementia in people. To so what in people? Dementia. Oh. It's a, it's a, I don't know, a catalyst, let's say, for dementia. Yeah. So I'm sure you study something long enough, you'll find a connection to just about anything. But, yeah. When I was a kid, coffee gave you cancer too. But don't hear that much. Either. Absolutely. In the early eighties, there was a campaign to get people to stop drinking coffee. Wow. I, uh, I have the, not heard that. Then the nineties came and there was a coffee shop on every corner and it, the story just went away. Yeah. All of a sudden it was good for you again. Yeah. Hmm. Learn something every day. Hope so. Well, what do you say we bust into the news? Okie dokie. Uh, a couple of these stories may be a little bit stale, but I left them in here because they're worth talking about it. A little, maybe a little speculation, maybe just not some speculation. Maybe everybody can just come over to the forum and see what the speculation is. But we'll just talk at least about the story. Hey, I like that. In uh, that, uh, since our last show. Uh, there were hundreds of thousands. That's the number given by uh, by a letter sent to retailers, but hundreds of thousands of Fuente cigars that were stolen. Um, I initially, when I first heard the story, my understanding was it, it was a cargo container. And so I guess I assumed it got on a boat here and some disappeared somewhere before it got to the States, but that's not the case at all. It actually was taken from the boat put on to, you know, axles uh, as a truck trailer and the truck itself actually was stolen, <laughs> the truck and trailer and all of its contents this being a typical 40 foot cargo container of cigars, um, predominantly Fuente, uh, but some of their other products, they make some, I guess, Ashton and some of the, uh, JC Newman, some of the affiliated brands, but predominantly Fuente. And uh, this truck was stolen, and within a day or so, the tractor had shown up. It had been located, but the trailer was still missing, the car, the container. And then since the story actually broke, the, the trailer itself has been recovered. And it was initially reported that most of the cigars were missing, but then Carlito himself said not most, all of them. The, the trailer was empty. There, there were no cigars remaining when the trailer was located. So... Mm. <clears throat> The announcement came through by a letter to retailers that, hey, these were all stolen. And as is typically the case with Fuente, they will not rush the hands of time. And so expect some shortages on some some lines this year. And, of course, there are no specifics because it's Arturo Fuente, and they don't give specifics about things like this. Of um, course. So I guess we'll see how, how much of a shortage there may be. I don't know. Well, I uh, I have heard um, a couple sides of that, and it does absolutely seem as if it's one of those things that <clears throat> conspiracy theorists should go crazy for. You know, I, I've heard uh, a couple people put up crazy stories on, oh, Fuentes were uh, uh, the number one cigar in the industry when he couldn't get them, and now they're on every street corner, and you can have access to everything you want. 
So uh, uh, this is just their way of making it so that way they can get a larger market share when they see Tatuaje not pushing as hard as they used to. And uh, that was that was rather a stretch to me, but either way, it was some good entertainment. There's some fun stories out there if you want to uh, get into that, boys and girls. Yeah. Yeah. And, and <clears throat> yeah, I can... I can understand that. The Fuentes are no strangers to catastrophe when it comes to supply and demand with fires and Sandinistas taking over factories and hurricanes blowing down barns and, and theft. Yeah, but, yeah, very true. But I just, I just can't put this into being a, an artificial situation. It just seems no. like way too big a risk and way too much work to put into something to, to just you know fizzle. Oh yeah. So no, I uh you're 100% correct. This does not this does not smack of being conspiracy theory to uh to anybody except those of us who tend to try to create conspiracy theories. How how about that? <laughs> hmm. Well, I uh I'm glad that you shared that Carlito had come out and said that it had been determined to have been empty because I had not heard that. Yeah, he uh, he actually, <laughs> I guess he was flooded with phone calls when the news started going around that some of them were there and just uh, he shared this half a dozen times, I suppose, that, that none of them were there. They were all gone. Hmm. And no, no specifics. I mean, like I said, the letter, I, I saw a copy of the letter and it just said hundreds of thousands. So that's you know that's millions of dollars worth of cigars at retail. Oh, that's a bad day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a, that's yeah. a bad day. Let's see. Now, I guess there there's still, insurance, but you know, still. Yeah, still. There are plenty of cigars from Puente on the shelves here, but they cost like triple the price in this because of the, <laughs> oh, the that, Hey, triple the price. Who cares about triple the price? This guy <laughs> who has two thumbs and cares about the price. This guy. Uh, oh, all right, fine. Do you know? Come June. Let's see. In, in two months from now, I will have been here two years, and I've never yet purchased a Fuente product in this country. Wow. Yeah. I don't know if I should say good, good for you, or uh, feel sorry for you. One or the other. Now I have taken advantage of mules that were coming here to bring me some from the states, and I have stocked <laughs> up when I was in the states. But I don't buy them here, I just for the very reason I just said. I just can't bring myself to pay that much more, knowing what the price is in Florida. Sure, sure. No, I uh, I completely understand. I I'm very familiar with the fact that you used to uh, be able to purchase just about better than any of the rest of us could. Yeah. So I get you. I get you. I miss those days. <clears throat> yeah, I bet you do. And I don't really feel sorry for you. <laughs> well, that's pretty mean. <laughs> no, you know, I don't think it is. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty sure it is. Uh, yeah. How are those $4 respondents treating you, Kipper? Fantastic. Too bad there won't be any left by the time I get to the States to send you any. <laughs> see what I mean? <laughs> see what I mean? Yeah, they're a little more than four bucks. Let's see. What's 
19 pesos, 47.2 right now. Yeah, those are like 463 a piece when you add tax and all that. Oh, what a ripoff. Gosh. Jeez. That's for the Espanas. The uh, 40th anniversary or a little more than that. They're about 495 including tax. So, Gosh, who could spend $4.65 on an Espana? Yuck. <laughs> This guy <laughs> with two thumbs sitting in yeah. front of it. <laughs> yep, I've had a number of those in the past few weeks. <sighs> yeah, by a number you mean a number with more than one digit? I don't know. I bought ten of them, and I think I still got a couple left. So no, I guess I haven't hit double digits yet. <laughs> but you, you know, know l- let's let's put it this way. I live in the States with an American income, which is, uh, I don't mean to brag, but it's much larger than your income, having <laughs> lived in the Dominican Republic without Since an my, income. My income <laughs> my income right now is 25% of what it was before we moved here. <laughs> oh, geez, I didn't even think you had an income. I just thought you had you were living off your savings. No, no, no. We, we raise support. We have donors stateside that donate well okay that's that certainly makes sense yes i understand that uh and christy has a small income from the school she teaches at. <laughs> very small <laughs> i uh oh shoot where was i going with it oh yeah with my american income i haven't even had 10 cigars that or any amount of cigars that cost me 46 dollars in the last uh uh, two weeks or whatever it's been since you bought those. So, so don't uh, don't go complaining to me about not having a cigar budget, Buster Brown. <laughs> hey, I stopped on my way home today and bought two more bundles of Comado cigars. Yeah, that's uh, that's another one we don't need to talk about. <laughs> those are four cents a piece <laughs> and worth every penny. Ugh. Shut it. They've kind of grown on me. Yeah, I... Uh, Possibly literally. <laughs> I think they should grow on you. For four cents and being enjoyable, you can't beat it with a stick. Yeah, you you may have to expect some percentage of banana leaves or something else in there, but yeah. that comes with territory. Yeah, I, uh, I think that's probably safe. Yeah, I got no idea what's in there, but... I'm kind of digging them lately. I actually been through <laughs> certainly been through double digits of those in the past month. <sighs> yeah, really. <sighs> well, that uh, yeah, it seems like just about every other day I see a picture up on the forum of you saying something uh, pithy like "best four cents I ever spent." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the best, aye, aye, best aye. cigar four cents can buy. Yeah, yeah, there's another one. Hey, and you see those last few pictures with the inch and a half ash on some of those jokers? Yeah, I have. And when you have a, what's it like a 25 or 30, maybe 35 ring cigar that's shoddily put together with inferior tobacco in a very damp environment, that's not too bad. It's, uh, what's the ring on that? What did you say? 
<laughs> there's no such thing as a mold or I mean there every every oh, wow. last one of them is different it's just yeah, a rolled up okay. bunch of leaves but uh, they are actually very close to the uh, Jesus Fuego originals those little oddball Corona football shapes yeah. they're very much like those in size hmm. I do like those cigars and just about everything with that size too so yeah. Well, Michael Stewart says he's still got 12 of the 75 he brought back. Wow. That's, uh, that's, that's pretty darn good when he got through 63 cigars in two months. Yeah. And for a grand total of like $2.50. <laughs> You're smoking a cigar a day. It's not 1925. <laughs> and it's been uh, two months, and you still have some left. <laughs> I got to tell you, they, they come in a bundle of 25. And they will sell you individuals if you want to to buy them you know, a couple of pesos a piece. But a bundle of 25, and it has a brown paper band around the bundle. And I just thought, well, they got craft paper or whatever. They're just taping it up. And I peeled one of those open, and when I turned over that brown paper, it was actually strips of a cement bag they had just cut. <laughs> cut strips and wrapped it around them. Ah, nothing like a little roasted limestone to make your cigars taste better. Uh-huh. Yeah. Ah, uh, <laughs> love it. Oh, well. Nowhere in the States can you find a cigar that's that enjoyable for that price. So That's true. Michael Stewart very likely has the only 12 of those that are in the United States right now. <laughs> Uh, Mike, sounds like you should quadruple your uh, your money on those things pretty easily. Yeah, you get sixteen cents a piece. <laughs> Two dollars with the what he's got left. I like it. I, I shared on the forum that I think uh, Nick and I. Uh, the two gringos that are in the only two gringos that are in this community with any regularity have created an artificial demand. And so the last time I had to pay 60 pesos a bundle instead of 50. <laughs> uh, rip but off. I, I got the old rate today. It turns out when the, when the lady is working the Colmado up there, she gives me the 50 peso rate still. Oh, she's got a thing for the white meat, huh? Hey, <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey. <laughs> I'm sorry, I couldn't help myself. Apparently, neither could a quarter she. a bundle. <laughs> quarter a bundle. Hey, you're on a missionary salary. You uh, you got to take what you can get. Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. Can we please go on to another yeah, news story? This is as ridiculous as the next news item is. Let's let's move on. I I don't know. Maybe you don't think this is as ridiculous as I do, but it just seems silly to me. But that's just me. Um, turns out Zycar has um, added a, uh, a set of markings to some of their cutters. And, and specifically, I think this first time around, it's only on the little ultra-thin model cutter they have. That actually is kind of a neat little contraption. My, my friend, who I just mentioned, Nick, has one. It, it's a lighter and a uh, an ultra-thin little cutter that's, you know, maybe couple of millimeters thick and, and they they're magnetic they stick together into one little unit it's kind of handy he he really likes it and it seems convenient but nonetheless they've added 
um, some etched, laser etched markings on them that uh, measure the diameter of the cigar you're about to cut. When, you know, you pull it out, there's a little arrow on there. You, when, as you pull it out, it's graduated into how big an opening you have. And, um, you know, <laughs> and I put in the notes that at first I thought, hmm, well, well, that's neat. And then I just wondered what the point of it was. What, why are those markings there? It, it, I have not held one in my hand yet. I've seen pictures on their website. And, and, you know, I don't understand if that are those measuring the ring of the cigar or are they actual? I mean, is that actually the size or is that some degree smaller than that actual ring, knowing that you're going to cut a portion, you know, above the shoulder that's not the full ring of the cigar? And, and I don't know. I, I guess it just seemed extraneous to me or superfluous, superfluous even. But, well, um, looking at the pictures, what I am wondering if it is, is that before you even open the cutter, you put the, the, <clears throat> the head of the cigar flat on the closed blade. And there's almost a marking there that, depending on how far down the, the shoulder of uh, that that cigar comes, you can see, oh, yeah, it, it covers the 48 ring gauge marking that they have, and it will, you know, it, it will tell you exactly what it is. Now, that might not be the case. There's a little arrow on the cutter, which uh -huh. kind of points to one of those numbers. So I'm also, you know, as you open the blade, it's pointing to a specific number. So I'm yes. wondering if perhaps it does have to be open completely for that to work. And so, you know, therefore you could put the cigar through the hole, not so much to cut it, but just put the cigar through the hole, much like my ring gauge uh, uh, that I have, where I put the cigar actually into the holes to check the gauge. I'm wondering if it's a multi-function, but not multi-use, if that makes sense. You can do two things, but not at the same time. You would never put the cigar th in the, the cutter to cut it if you're measuring it at the same time. And I can come hmm. those, those two options. But, yeah. Hmm. Yeah, I'm not sure. I, I'm not sure what the purpose is. Uh, I guess outside of what you just described, I can't even imagine what that purpose would be. I mean, it's not like manufacturers are really strict and, and purposeful about making cigars be exactly what they say. I mean, they're all over the road, <laughs> many of them anyway. Yeah, yeah. Well, plus the, the odd thing about it is you have to have the second blade closed still. So now I believe only one of the blades opens on this cutter, but if only one of the blades opens, you're still sticking your cigar into the 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 hole on this cutter. And so if it is the the 56 or the 60 ring gauge cigar that you're putting in there, which is the max, maximum that can fit, it's rubbing against that razor sharp uh, um, stationary side of the cutter. So that also seems a little odd to me, but again, not, not, uh, not the worst idea I've ever heard. There's a couple options that could work, but I don't know if I'd use it with really thick cigars. And I also don't know, uh, 
if how I'm thinking it's going to be used is this specific way, but I don't know. It uh, in a pinch, it gives you a an idea. So maybe it's not the end of the world, but if you're smoking cigars enough, you probably know the difference between a 42 and a 46 just by look. Yeah, and, and unless you're doing a podcast, I'm not sure it truly matters that much. Well, okay. In that regard, I mean, do you even need to cut a cigar? You know, I bite most my, most of my cigars anyways, so why the heck not? You bite your cigars. Oh, yeah, I bit tonight's cigar. Huh. I did not know that. I, uh, I, I have a cutter. I mean, there's a Palio right here, and it works great. I've got a Swiss Army knife cutter right here, and it works okay. Um, but a lot of times I just spend 30 seconds, I bite the cigar, I kind of peel back the the top cap and, and slightly remove it with my top teeth. works great. Hmm. So, I, you know, I don't, not that this is perfect by any oh, stretch of the imagination, but I don't necessarily think that that looks horrible, that it no. uh, looks torn up. Yeah, who cares what it looks like? It's how it functions. Well, I guess what I say, what it looks like, I just mean like if you could look at this and see if it started to make the cigar unravel. That's yeah. what I mean. <clears throat> and that's not the case, so. It is good. Yeah. Yeah, and I don't have a beef with Zycar. I'm still deeply in love with that little scissor tool that I've been using since January. Uh, I think it's fantastic. So far, it's holding up great. Um, but anyway, I just didn't. I guess I didn't understand the the point of it because the seems like the MSRP went up a little bit on that on that uh, cutter and lighter. They come together. It's a hundred bucks for the set now. Was that that's a lot more than it was? Uh, I I would not swear to it in a court of law, but it seems like it was less than that before, maybe like eighty five in the past. But I don't know that if there is a price increase. I don't know that it's even related. I'm not saying it came about because of this. I got gotcha. you. Yeah. I I hear you saying that you uh, are um, complaining that it's come across because of this uh, ring gauge. I, I hear what you're saying. <laughs> yeah. Uh-huh. No, not the case. Oh, I thought it was. No, not the case. I think you're right. You drink what? Anyways, oh nothing. No, I'm not giving you a hard time. Oh, okay, cool. You were fading in and out there for a second. I couldn't hear you. Oh well. Good Either that or I, maybe I just wasn't listening. I don't know. Eh, well, join the club. My wife has perfected that. <laughs> <laughs> okay. We got just a couple more to get through here. And the next one is going to be earth shattering for many of you. It's, it's going to rattle your cage, shake your foundations, blow your mind. But it turns out that the youth of America, the children, are not going out and spending their hard-earned cash to buy premium cigars. What? Let that sink in. Let that sink in. You know, I, I was flabbergasted when I read this. This was a, a story published uh, initially by Cigar Aficionado that uh, a study 
actually had been published back in January, I believe, in the New England uh, Journal of Medicine. Hang on just a second, I'll tell you. It was published in the New England Journal of Medicine. Yeah, an actual peer-reviewed study funded in part by the FDA uh, and uh, the National Institute on Drug Abuse. These two uh, organizations, two, an agency and an institute, went together and funded this research. And uh, yeah, turns out of, of this actually pretty sizable sample uh, of almost 46,000 people, more than 13,000 of which were children between 12 and 17. At least they were decent enough to have a 17-year-old cutoff rather than the typical 26. CDC cutoff of 20, 26 years old. Anyway, and it turned out only 2.3% had ever had a premium cigar. And what Cigar Aficionado published ever as meaning was meaning ever had even one or two puffs means you had had a cigar. And uh, when you tighten that down to how many, uh, you know, sampled from or had a premium cigar in the last 30 days, that number drops off to less than three quarters of 1%. Uh, I, to hear the the critics, it, I thought we were, you know, everybody in the States would have lung cancer by the time they're 19 years old. <laughs> I had no clue, only this few kids were smoking $10 cigars. But I, I, I guess I guess I was wrong. Now, it, it to remove the obvious uh, frustration that many of us have uh, out of our argument, out of our talking points here, three 17 year olds let's be let's be as <clears throat> liberal with this as we possibly can three 17 year olds out of 130 have ever taken puffs off of a premium cigar that's what this boils down to three out of 130 have ever taken one or two puffs of a premium cigar and, and uh, let me also throw in that this, this study included in their definition of premium cigar, they included flavored cigars, which, again, I thought were the bane of the existence of America's youth. Um, did not include cigarettes, cigarillos, those little guys, but it did include flavored cigars such as, you know, acids and, and the CAO flavors and those kinds of things. Um I actually truly was surprised by that. I would have guessed that to be a much higher number in, in, in non-facetiousness mode. I actually would have thought that number would be much higher with those included. So I would like to see three additional numbers here, three additional studies. Um, how many 18-year-olds have had uh, one or two puffs of a premium or flavored cigar? how many 12 to 17 year olds had ever had one to two puffs off of a cigarette and how many 12 to 17 year olds, no, I'm sorry. And how many 18 year olds had ever had one to two puffs minimum off of a cigarette. So of those three things, I'd like to know what that really translates to when talking about just pre-adults and adults and 
relating to premium cigars and flavored cigars and pre-adults and adults relating to cigarettes and have that give the full-on summary of what is the biggest impact on tobacco use for our youth and upcoming generations. Let's let's take this to the next level. Is three out of 130 children who have ever taken puffs off of a premium or flavored cigar, is that the lowest number of any tobacco users, either legal or illegal, out of the main um, uh, tobacco delivery, tobacco and nicotine delivery system, or the premium cigar industry? How is that really represented in comparison to what is truly the issue here? What product is truly the issue? I, I'm very interested to see how that all stacks up. I bet if you put uh, pipes, premium pipe tobacco in here, that number would be three out of a thousand rather than three out of a hundred. Yeah, the entire market share oh. for pipes in the States is like half a percent. It's, it's a pretty small number to begin with if you include adults. Aren't we aren't we working with the understanding that three percent of American males are premium cigar smokers? Seems like that was a number thrown around several years ago by CRA, but uh, I, I never saw any kind of official statistics, you know, Bureau of Labor and Statistics, or anything like Bureau of that whichever non-labor statistics union publishes these things. I mean, that's, that's roughly 5 million American men um, are premium cigar smokers. And uh, uh, I, I wonder if there's any, is there any correlation between illegal tobacco usage and legal tobacco usage, that percentage, how 2.3% compared to 3%, wonder if there could be any correlation there or or extrapolation maybe of uh, uh, pre-adulthood usage compared to um, actual adulthood usage, if there'd be any translation. I, I'm just, I'm fascinated by this study. One, because the FDA actually commissioned it. I'm happy to hear that this study was commissioned and partially funded. Although I don't know if it was commissioned, but partially funded by the FDA. That's that's good to hear because they they actually are looking for a data point that reflects something specific and related. You know, if, if this thing came out and it was 15% or a large number, a considerable number, and you're looking at you're looking at well over a thousand kids who were um, who were uh, um, surveyed had tried premium cigars. You know what? Then I'd say, hey, maybe maybe this is something that we are missing the boat because that's about the percentage. Uh, that fifteen percent is about the percentage of um, cigarette users. I, I believe that's the percentage. Fifteen percent is your average uh, percentage of cigarette users as adults. So you could say that perhaps you know there's some correlation there, but we're nowhere even close at this point. Right. And, uh, yeah, if, if this were 15% or 25 or some much higher number, it would have been more widely publicized, I would imagine, too. I, I noticed in the article, and I'll include a link back to the Cigar Aficionado uh, article, 
But I noticed they uh, mentioned also that it's interesting that the FDA did not include this study on their in the tobacco section on their website where they put all the other studies that they tend to promote. I wonder what um, marijuana use is in that same percentage. Yeah. I, and, and I wonder that reasonably 2% sounds like that could be a realistic number you'd find in American high school students. I wonder what the uh, vaping percentage would be. So that seems oh, to be a much yeah. hotter item these days. Hmm. Of course, all the information I have on vaping is coming from many of the same sources that decry all tobacco and nicotine use in any form. So I don't know how realistic my understanding of that market is. I do know it's an explosive market. And in the last, last several years that that has grown to a billion dollar industry almost overnight. Oh, it's insanity how explosive it is. I see vape shops, e-cig shops, whatever you want to call them all over the place. It's, they're almost as much as that kind of generic tobacco shop. Uh, there are almost as many of them. It's very unexpected. Yeah, and even when I was still stateside, I I traveled extensively within the state of Florida. I knew every backcountry, you know, hick town in the state. And whenever I would go into new areas, I always checked around for cigar shops and. Google Maps would drive me insane because about seven times out of ten, it would be a, a head shop or a vape shop and not a cigar shop I was looking for. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm not surprised about that. Hmm. Me neither. We got one more quick item here uh, before we talk a little more about this cigar because I'm solidly halfway through it at this point. Um, but uh, Tatuaje has announced the final two offerings that are going to be in the Monster series that I'm sure 99.9% of the people in the, within the sound of my voice are quite familiar with. Um, this year, later this year, you know, usually right around Halloween-ish um, when these, these uh, releases come out, but this year to be the Michael, I'm going to be so bold as to assume or presume that that's named for Michael Myers from the Halloween movies, but don't guess I'd swear to it. Um, and then next year will be the bride, um, which will, I believe wrap up the series. That'll be the, the final, final new blend to be added to the series will be 2018. That's my understanding anyway. And so this, the, this announcement, this is, has been speculated for a while, but what's coming with that, uh, that this with this story, is that this year, actually in the next uh, month or two, some samplers come out that will uh, be kind of like, kind of an extension. There's a little little bit of mixing and matching with uh, which blends are included, but two samplers in the Monster series. So each will have ten cigars. It'll be a, a mix of in from the past uh, minus minus uh, the Kruger this past year and one other I can't recall at the moment but uh, it'll be Casadores which are the 6 and 3 8 by 43 Vitola 
and Lanceros, a seven and a half by thirty-eight in the Monster series, and each each is going to have uh, each will come in a sampler of ten, much like the Skinny Monsters this past year, uh, which I thoroughly enjoyed and took notes on. I need to dig up because I want to try and snag a few more of a couple of those before they disappear entirely. Um, no, they're mostly gone, but there are a few shops still kind of have some tucked away. But anyway, same thing with these upcoming ones. This, the, the, I both these Vitolas appeal to me. I really like the blend, but the blends uh, uh, within this series over the years, but they are typically much bigger than what I would reach for. And so, I never went nuts for this line. I, I bought a box once or twice over the years. I think I got the Wolfman and the Mummy. Uh, 2013 or 14, somewhere around there. But I didn't go nuts for them like many, many people do because of the size. But these two sizes really appeal to me. If they can kind of, if Tatawahi or, or my father producing them can maintain the the integrity of the blends within these Vitolas, man, more power to them. I, I, I dig it. And I understand these will be limited in production, but will be regular production. I think they're going to be pretty much available going forward uh, to some degree anyway. And so I'm going to, I put in the notes, I'll go out on a limb and declare I'll probably invest at least in the Casadores and probably in the Lanceros as well. And just to give them all a try and maybe put away a few of whichever I like better once I've kind of gone through them. Um, going to run nine to nine fifty per stick, but they're not I'd probably not going to be sold on a an individual uh, a singles basis you're going to need to buy the sampler so it'll be 90 bucks for the cazadores and 95 for the lanceros when they they hit the market what was the box that you sent me was that the skinny yeah 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 it was the skinny okay i know that uh we had discussed that those were not going to be cigars of the week but uh is that box a okay to break into? You want me to kind of make that a regular review that I put up on the show or do for the show? Sure. I I've, I don't even think I got any of them left, man. I blew through those things pretty quick, like. Oh no, joke! They're all gone. Oh wow. Okay, yeah. dude, that was <laughs> that was nearly a year ago. Oh my gosh! Yeah, it was. That was like July of last year, wasn't it? Yeah. I just went through the rest of the IPCPR bag that you sent me. I uh, still mm-hmm. got one of those Avo Synchros that, that I haven't... Uh, Synchros? Yeah, I think Avo Synchros. I uh, don't that recall. You, ...that you sent me. And uh, smoked a couple of them. I think you sent me three. I've got one left. I uh, That 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 uh, bag filled with those cigars is still looking mighty tasty. I might have to get into more of them. Do it. I think... Th- I have a few left from the show. I I don't know what I got left, to be honest with you. I know I still have one of those um, Yorochi Robainas. I don't remember if it was the blue one or the white one, but I thought we may end up doing that one for a show, but I may just smoke it too. <laughs> well, I uh, I think that I smoked the white of those uh, Robianas. No, the white or the... No, it was the blue. It was the Maduro version of it. And it was spectacular. Spectacular. But I have the white left, I believe. 
I'm not sure. I, I know I have one, but don't remember which. Hmm. But anywho, what you thinking about this cigar these days? You know, I'm thinking that we probably should have been talking about this a lot more than we have been because the second third on this stick was really phenomenal. Um, that that coffee flavor was there for me, but it also picked up some kind of vanilla notes um, and a really enjoyable tobacco flavor too. And I I really enjoyed it. I think this is I think this is a good cigar and a really good box. And um, I'm unsure whether I'm going to sit back and hold on to it and try to save maybe the bottom row another 10 years, or if I'm just going to make this a regular smoker, I'm, I'm enjoying it. The vanilla flavor is not adding sweetness. The vanilla flavor is just bringing kind of that, like what you would expect vanilla to bring to a baked good. It doesn't add sweet vanilla. I don't know, like a, a, a honeyish sweetness. It just gives more depth and it's there. And, uh, I, I really freaking like it. It was a good cigar. Yeah. Same from here. a Maduro man. Absolutely. It is. It is not at all what I would normally put in the yolk of most Maduro cigars. The vanilla, you mentioned the vanilla and I totally would not have, pulled that out but when you say that it just kind of works i'm yeah. with you it, it's kind of sedated it's kind of uh, it's the it's the framework of the flavors it's kind of there but it's not punching you in the throat and making you wake up and realize it's there it's just kind of there yeah <laughs> it is what it is and i hate that saying i uh i do too for what it's worth um I have noticed the cigar has gotten hotter for me. Um, and it really, yeah, it actually feels warmer on my fingers. I'm a half inch from the ignition point, the mascara line, and I feel heat. Really? I, I'm a little bit ahead of you, but not just a whole bunch, but no heat at all. I mean, I can comfortably hold it right there on the, the burn line. Hmm. Well, hmm. That's weird. Normally, I'm smoking, smoking, smoking uh, more quickly than you enough that I can build up more heat in a cigar. But this one, not much heat at all. Doing really well. Hmm. Well, I uh, I like this cigar. <laughs> I'm oh, what? DC in the chat room said some of the cigars in Craig's humidor could legally go out and buy more cigars. Oh, some of the cigars in my humidor could have cigars of their own that could go out and buy cigars. <laughs> you have cigars that are eligible for running for president. <laughs> yes, that's correct. By the way, did you write me in this uh, this January or this uh, November? Absolutely. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> I'm glad to hear it. <sighs> well, well was- I... Uh, I was I was gonna add one final thing on this cigar that um, the crispness that I had early on it has not died down in a linear fashion. I'd say that it really dropped as I got into the second third, and it's tended to level out 
but not so much to the point where it has left. It's still there, but there's been other aspects of it that have kind of elevated and, and brought up a little, been brought up a little bit that um, it's much better from the first third. I'd say so far for me, uh, it was weakest upon lighting, though it was still good. It was spectacular in the second third. And then as I'm entering the final third here with about two inches left, um, the heat is, I think, taking some nuance away. It's still good, and it is not as crisp as that first third, so I like it more. But it is it is losing the intensity of flavor that it had in the middle. So, yeah, I can agree with that. My, mine definitely lost the crispness. It did not drop off precipitously. This kind of faded into the background. But if I had to throw something out there for the flavors now, in, in addition to agreeing with the vanilla, although I would not have seen it on my own or perceived it on my own. Uh, it, it, this one has gotten very uh, toasty, like a, almost like a dry toast kind of flavor to it. I'm, I'm kind of digging it. Hmm. I, I don't think I'd say toast, but who knows? Maybe it's, uh, maybe it's just how I've been smoking it. I'm overheating it and not getting that. Who knows? Are you retrohaling it? You know, I don't regularly because I'm talking while I'm smoking, and I normally retrohale, and it takes me a few seconds. So uh, maybe you can start what cigars you've had uh, talking about those, and I'll retrohale a couple times and report back if I get anything. Sure, because I kind of stuck on what I have smoked since our last show and didn't really put the thought into it I should have. As you can tell by your paragraphs in my three or four words. But um, we talked about uh, the latest incarnation of the Davidoff Chef's Edition on the last show. And I smoked it the following day from that show. So it's been quite some time since then. Um, but in the notes, I just put Davidoff Chef's Edition, typical Davidoff. And, and that's really what I was left with it was a very expensive cigar that I would not have gone and purchased on my own. It was given to me. Um, but if you are a Davidoff guy, you're not going to be disappointed in this cigar. If you don't care for Davidoff, you're going to be disappointed in this cigar. There's nothing that makes it to me stand out from the, the uh, normal typical core line of Davidoff cigars. It's very mild. It, it has a, just a, coach of sweetness to it um, very little to no spice it, it, it is classical Davidoff despite the fact that it was blended at least in to some degree by a group of chefs rather than the typical uh, blender at Davidoff um, uh, you know knowing that there was some other input that went into it I might have expected it to be a little more off center from Davidoff's typical offerings, but it was very much in that vein. Very, very Davidoffy, <laughs> Davidoffish. Um, I mean, it was an enjoyable cigar, but had I paid, you know, 30 bucks to get the thing at normal price, uh, not being a Davidoff guy, I might've been a little disappointed, but it's not going to be off putting to those folks who do enjoy Davidoff. Are there people out there that you know that don't like Davidoff regardless of price? 
I don't know that. I, I can't think of anyone in particular. Um, I know people that don't care for Davidoff, but most of the time, if I hear somebody kind of throwing off on them and not, not liking them, it's because of the price. There are people that just can't get past that. And I'm not, I'm certainly not in that camp. It's just not something that it's not the majority of Davidoff's offerings are not something that are worth the price to me. And that's not a ding on Davidoff. It's just, it's just not in my wheelhouse. Now, that being said, the Jamasa, I'd pay for those. <laughs> those to, yeah. That is far and away my very favorite Davidoff cigar I've ever smoked. And I think they're phenomenal, despite the fact that that region is not known for tobacco and, in fact, is known for not making good tobacco. It amazes me that they were able to come up with something that appeals to me that much. Uh, from that area, but they did, and I love them. Hmm. I uh, I believe I've only had one of those, and it was it was spectacular. I talked about it on the show last year, probably not far after uh, you sent those cigars. So um, it was uh, it was different enough to be unique to people who I think. You know, even if you don't love the typical Davidoff, you'll enjoy that. It's much more akin to the Nicaragua, where um, you have bold flavors, you have punchy flavors that that really highlight what that's what is what that cigar is bringing to the table. Let's let's put it that way, um, without being imbalanced or without being overpowering at all. It, it's very much kind of the suave Davidoff characteristic brought to what, whatever unique, I guess just unique characteristic that blend is trying to highlight. So. <laughs> Sorry. I was, I was trying to quietly type in the chat room. We can't have uh, we can't have a show without at least one Kip coup. <laughs> Cool. <laughs> what else we got? What else have I got? I, I got two on here, and I don't have a great deal to say about either, except uh, one is two cigars in one, the uh, Quesada España and the 40th anniversary that we think we mentioned both of those a little while ago, and that I have now a local supermarket that actually sells those at a great price, and I picked up, like I said, 10 of them recently and have smoked quite a number of them and really like them <laughs> for, you know, for something a piece that just, just about can't be beat unless you got one for four cents. Then it'd be hard to beat. That's a good point. I mean, we've talked about the Quesada España probably 50 times in various episodes of the 163. I, I, I can't even imagine how many times we've talked about that that line, uh, whether it's from us smoking them or the special releases that go to a single or a few retailers each month throughout the year. But we've kind of beat that horse to death. I think everybody knows both of us like the España. The 40th, I like. Uh, but if I had to pick between the two, the España gets it every time. Uh, the 40th a little darker, a little stronger, and a little a little more intense, but 
it's an enjoyable cigar, but the Espana is really where it's at for me. Yeah, I uh, I am infatuated with that 40th. Uh, I This is how good the Espanas are. After smoking a metric buttload of those Espanas, I became a fan of Quesada cigars without even loving any other Quesada cigars, if that makes sense. It, uh-huh. it, I absolutely was interested in the, uh, the Quesada. Um, what was the one that had the holograms all over the band? Um, the Heisenberg. They, they, they've had holograms in a few. The Heisenberg had the different little mathematical symbols. I don't think it had holograms. No, I think it was called like the Casada Reserva or something like that, or Casama Casama Casada uh, Limited. It was something like that. It had the same black band, gold lettering as the 40th and as the Espana, but it was something along those lines. That that was a cigar that I sought out with the intensity of a person chasing a loaf of bread after you hadn't eat, eaten for a week. <laughs> I went after that thing like just you wouldn't believe. Um, and I thought it was good. I didn't think it was an Espana. The Espanas are are probably the cigar that if you polled our serious listeners, that would be in the top three of what they think our favorite cigars in the world are. And uh, it might just be that they're correct. Uh, that would probably be in my top three favorite cigars I'm going to reach for on any given Sunday. So. Uh, I think it might even be the same for you. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Especially with the ready availability now here. But yeah, I love them. And I think I even put this on Instagram this week. I put a picture of an Espana up and made a remark that I had always enjoyed and thought my favorite in that lineup was the Corona. But the supermarket I mentioned that now has a case of Quesada cigars only had the Robusto. So I bought Robustos and I enjoyed the crap out of them. I, I'm, now I have mixed feelings. Maybe, maybe I like the Robusto now. I don't know, I, I, but it's just as fantastic as the Corona. Those Robustos are pretty freaking good, aren't they? Yeah, they are. Oh, I, you know, I, uh, when Luke was born, I bought a box of the Robustos. It was, <laughs> Did I ever tell you this story of the first time that I had the Quesada Espana, it was at their factory in Santiago. I don't think so. So it was 2011. It was February, 2011. And Luke was born in May, uh, early May. So, uh, my wife was rather pregnant, you know, uh, seven months pregnant or whatever that works out to. Um, and Chicago had the single largest day of snow ever recorded. And I was in the Dominican Republic. My wife was not very happy. The <laughs> day that we got that snow, I was smoking that Espana. It was it was before it was ever going to be available in the States. Um, I was on a, a visit with Colin Ganley. He had gotten me and uh, a number of other people into the factory on one of his cigar tourism uh, trips. And uh, we were sitting with uh, Manolo and a number of the young ones uh, and we're just talking about that cigar. And I called my wife later on that day and she said something like, I hope you had a good day today 
because I had to <laughs> shovel the deck just so the dog could go outside. Not even shoveling the driveway. She had to shovel the deck because she was snowed in and couldn't get out. The roads weren't even plowed. Uh, so I I kind of got in trouble. Yeah. To, to got this, a little bit of trouble. To this day, you have to sneak and have a cigar. <laughs> <laughs> so the Quesada Espana, almost out of spite, uh, and for a little bit of the fact that I'm a masochist, um, when Luke was born, the box of cigars that I shared publicly was... Uh, well, shortly after Luke was born, a box of Quesada Espana Robustos. So those cigars have a special place in my heart. I, too, think the Coronas are my favorite, but uh, there's something about the Robusto where the flavor is just a little bit more intense. It's a little bit deeper, and uh, I, I dig them a whole hell of a lot. Cool. <laughs> uh, let me – I'm going to do a retro hail. One more retro hail after I purge this cigar because I am getting a whole ton of um, the sharpness or crispness that's coming back. So let me see if a purge will help. Okay. So why don't well, you talk I'll, about that last? Yeah, I'll, but before that, I'll throw out there my uh, next favorite Quesada cigar after the Espana. Uh, wait a minute. Mm, I have another favorite. Next favorite is probably the original 2011 Oktoberfest. I don't think they've ever duplicated that. I think that was an amazing cigar, and the subsequent years did not live up to the original, but that's beside the point. My next favorite regular production Quesada cigar is not a Quesada cigar. It is made for them and is owned by them, but it's the Fonseca Nicaragua, and I believe Placencia makes it for them. And it's not a it's not an old line the Nicaragua that they put out, but it's uh, they have these little like a petite Corona, tiny little cigars, and and I can get them here. And man, they're fantastic. They're very spicy and strong, but because of their small size, they're they're manageable for a nicotine wimp like me. And and I really really like those cigars for when I can't get uh, you know. There's not just a whole huge plethora of Nicaraguan cigars in Santiago. Shops carry a few lines, but they're not super common. And when you find them, they're a little pricey. But I I love them. And doesn't have their name on it, but it's theirs. And I think it's a fantastic smoke. But that's a side hmm. issue, not even in my list. The next on my list is the Partagas Heritage which is a newer cigar just coming out right about now. But uh, some time ago, uh, several weeks ago, maybe a month or a little more at this point, uh, some samples <laughs> were sent to me and made their way to my friend's house, which is now my address I use for uh, as a permanent address in the States. And he sent them down with my mom. And so, they made it here in, in a timely fashion. And uh, they're kind of a robusto shape, maybe a, maybe a little bit longer. It seems like they may have may have been five and a half, maybe. I, I don't know. I still have a couple of them left. But as has been the case a few times over the past four years, I've had to eat a little crow with General Cigars and, and fess up after the smack talking I did for years that I really liked one of their cigars. And, and this is another one. 
Um, I, the only thing I put in the notes was they have my attention and they do. I, I really liked it. It was not, uh, not the typical general Dominican kind of flavor profile. It had a healthy dose of spice, but not enough that it's going to burn out your sinuses or anything like that. Uh, it, it, very, um, oaken kind of flavors that, you know, I, I, don't zero in on woodsy so often as much as a particular kind of wood because I'm familiar with various species of wood from years of working in furniture plants. And oak has a very um, recognizable aroma when when it's dried, and that's a, a very much what I get out of this cigar, and I really like it. At all hesitate to to pay up for these, to, and they're not that pricey. I think they're typical eight to ten dollar kind of price range for for what seems to be getting to be the sweet spot these days for for cigar pricing but i thought it was great so far I, they sent five of them i think i've smoked three and had a good experience with all of them hmm. well i uh i can't say that i share your enthusiasm for that cigar i think that i have had one uh, mm -hmm. somewhat recently, but it didn't leave an impression with me. So really, I, I, I did. I'm trying to think back the CAO OSA. I really liked those and that's been five years ago now. The, um, but was that a general when it was five years, when it was released? Yeah. Yeah. It was after general had took over. It was. Okay. The, yeah. Um, the uh, it was another part I guess had a gold band on it with eagles. It almost looked like a Nazi symbolism on the the bands. Uh, the eighteen forty five maybe I don't know. Yeah, there were a couple of those eighteen forty fives that were spectacular. I really like those. There's there's been a few times I had to walk back my previous trash talking, and I really liked this heritage. I liked it a lot. I'm not going to go out and order a box of them, but certainly wouldn't hesitate to to pick up a few off the shelf here and there. Hmm. Well, I, uh, I have, I have tried to fix this Maduro five every which way, but every which way, but the way that worked, <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm not as big of a fan of this final third, but, um, well, we can talk a little bit more about it when we've got our closing thoughts. So, uh, I have successfully retrohaled, so now it's time for me to talk a little bit about the cigars that I've smoked since the last time. Uh, just have a couple of them in here, but the first is kind of a bit of a multifaceted uh, discussion. So I, I am not the biggest supporter, let's say, of San Cristobal de la Habana cigars, um, just commonly referred to as San Cristobal's. Uh, this is the the version out of Cuba, not really my father. Um, what? What really? What? No, I, that's one of my favorites. It, it, with not it, it, accepting the vast majority of the Cuban cigars we smoked on this show, which have had much time and love put into them. I'm talking fresh off the shelf from a local shop here in Santiago. The, I, I really like. There's a little. Little tiny guy, and I don't remember what they called that size. It's the El Principe. Principe. Yeah. Uh, I really, really like that cigar. 
Well, my my statement does not mean that I dislike the cigars. It means that I overlook these cigars. I don't. It, it, I I have one box of San Cristobal's. That's it. Um, I don't have a box of the El Principes. I don't have a box of the La Punta, which is um, uh, the Bellicoso version, which is spectacular. <laughs> Punta with an N, correct? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes, Punta with an N. That's correct. <laughs> yeah. um, I, I like the El Moro, which is, um, I believe the El Moro is roughly a double Corona. Uh, but I think it's a little bit different, not a true double Corona. Um, they're, they're good cigars. I just don't, I don't think of them. They're not on my radar. They're a second tier, maybe even a third tier in terms of, of sales. Um, in Cuban cigar, they're not hugely loved. They're not hugely sought out. Um, they're newer. I think they're from the, the mid to late 2000s, 70 or 77. 97, 96, somewhere in that range. So uh, there was never a pre-blend change, pre-95 blend change version of San Cristobal's. Um, nobody really knows how well they're going to age, and that's probably where Cuban cigars gained their their following. If you can have a 30-year-old version and it's ethereal, um, that brand kind of stands out, you know. Uh, maybe the exception being Cohiba, uh, there were some original Cohibas released to market that are over 30 years old now, but not very many of them. Um, but, you know, you look at Partigas, you look at Monte Cristo, you look at El Rey del Mundo. These are these brands that that have classic decade-long following um, followings in Great Britain and more recently uh, in Hong Kong, um, where it's not uncommon to... to have a uh, a cigar aficionado, someone who has a thousand boxes of different versions of these Vitolas that are just aging. Um, there's a quote in uh, an illustrated uh, guide to post-revolution Havana cigars, the MRN book that says um, a 10,000 cigar seller in Hong Kong is considered small. Uh, the people there are, are just rabid collectors and, um, and agers of these cigars. So San Cristobal really could develop more of a following as it turns into a brand that has a history rather than just kind of a short introduction of a couple decades. But um, that's that's neither here nor there. We can get into uh, uh, my feelings on how cigars will fail over the years on another date. That being said, um, my review of this cigar, my mini review, starts out by me saying that I don't think there's anyone who listens to this show who would not peg me as a lover of small cigars. Um, it is not hidden to anyone. And the El Principe, it always floats amongst my favorites in this Vitola, but I just don't think of it. When I think of uh, Trey Petit Corona, four and an eighth by 42, that that roughly that size, an inch shorter than a petite Corona. When I think of that size, I think of Ramonionis. I think of Partigas Shorts. That's close to that size, at least. I think of Cohiba Siglo One, um, Monte Cristo Number Fives. I don't think of San Cristobal. So I had one of these uh, uh, my windshield time today, uh, and it just it just gets me. It's 
sweet. It's it's just totally flavorful, full flavored. And this cigar had a couple years on it, but it was not overly aged. It was no different from anything Cuban or non-Cuban that we smoke on this show. Um, you know, two years of age is nothing in the grand scheme of things. This cigar is sweet, flavorful, and like everything that Cuba does well, uh, tobacco-wise, it always drops that individual thread to accompany the overall characteristics of the island's tobacco flavor. It That individual thread is there. You know, ah, this is a San Cristobal. And it's just terrific. Short, 45 minutes to an hour, not hot, not not poorly constructed. It just, it's just great. This was a terrific cigar. Now, I said this is kind of a little bit of a multifaceted review. The unique thing about this cigar is that when I was fishing in the end of February, first week of March, um, I found this cigar. <laughs> I found this cigar with my waders and my fly fishing vest. <laughs> Holy crap. <laughs> and the last time that I fished with my dad was last June. So this cigar was sitting unhumidified in my dad's basement in my bag of of my cigar or my cigar clothing of my fishing uh clothing or garments and I since that time in March have been slowly bringing this back humidifying it about every week or so I took another level of humidification at first I put it in a sealed plastic bag in my travel humidor then I put it in with a couple other cigars that were humidified in that same bag. Then I put like a Bovita pack sort of a thing in that bag with those other cigars. Then I took the cigar out and I put it in my humidor. And then after being in my humidor for two or three weeks, I took it out. I dry boxed it yesterday and I lit it up today or didn't dry box it. I, I left it out overnight to dry out just slightly. And, uh, and it smoked like a dream and it had flavor. How many times have you have you seen a cigar that dried out and said, "Oh, the oils are gone; they've evaporated away. There's nothing left." Uh, well, mini. this this cigar was a little bit of a mini experiment to see if that was actually the case. You can bring them back, folks. This is <laughs> this is four full seasons in Colorado, unhumidified, That's and it great. made it. Yeah. So, thought that was kind of huh. neat. I'm impressed. Well, yeah, I I, uh, I impressed myself. I was surprised I was able to bring it back without exploding, but uh, but it worked. Excelente. Well, the next one on my list happens to be a gift from uh, our uh, pale friend from Edmonton, Mister Zedman. Um, he sent uh, you know a little bit of a uh, trade that he and I had had. A Partius 898. Uh, this is the Dahlia version from Partius. It's 43 ring gauge by 6.5 or 6 and 7 eighths, something like that. Roughly a Lonsdale or a small Churchill. Um, absolutely an iconic, iconic cigar. Uh, one of those, if you're going to pick out 10 Cuban cigars that have been around for decades that are absolutely adored, this is one of them. 
Um, and it has the best sweet spice and tobacco combination maybe maybe available today on the market. Um, this one was just about a year old or so, and it was loaded with that unbelievable sweet spice and tobacco flavor, but also with the roughness that is akin to only youth and bad luck. And I say bad luck because Zed had smoked one of these the other day, and uh, uh, it's what spurred me to light mine up, and he loved his, adored it. And I think that maybe he's just a little bit more, uh, he enjoys a little bit more aggression to his palate than I do. That that might have been the difference. Because all the flavor was there. There is no doubt about it. Uh, it just had a, a, a little bit more of that that aggression that I just, that I don't love in a stick. So really, really amazing went on. And uh, this was pretty good. Just needed a couple more years. Cool. I like it. <laughs> Sidman is still fuming over the pale remark in the chat room. <laughs> well, am I wrong or what? <laughs> Gringo Blanco. <laughs> uh, Blanco Claro. Well, I think it's uh, I think it's about time we start to wrap this cigar and the episode up. We're uh, pushing two hours. Yeah, I actually put the cigar down shortly after talking about it last time, so I don't really know that I have a great deal more to say with it, except it, 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 it taking the flavor aside, the strength really picked up a notch there toward the very end. And get the piece pick up here. I smoked it down too that much so got maybe an inch left on it and not a uh, not a giant killer in terms of the strength even at the end but it was noticeably more potent than before and it began it, i still never felt the heat but it began to get a little bit of a uh, charry kind of flavor to it and, and it was just uh, nothing negative it was just saying it it's kind of done it's time to to put it down um but Thoroughly enjoyed it throughout. Uh, and that, uh, excuse me, that um, vanilla flavor that you kind of keyed in on that I was oblivious to until you, I heard the words coming out of your mouth. I think it, it intensified as well towards the end. It, it became a little more prominent, came you know kind of out of the shadows, but but still very very pleasant. Well, I am still going on mine um, after the the mild purging that I put it through. I kind of, uh, just by virtue of, of yapping and talking about my cigars, gave it some time to settle down. And that that really helped it. Um, I'm touching it up right now because, you know, when you let a cigar settle down, if you don't catch it at the perfect time, you can uh, lose some wrapper uh, combustion in certain areas. So... Just trying to to help that out a little bit here. Um, you know, it should also be stated that this cigar, it is a Maduro, uh, and it's a traditional Maduro in processing as well as color. I'd say that one of the distinguishing characteristics about this cigar is that the wrapper leaf is about as thick as a San Andres wrapper leaf. I mean, this thing is... You know, you could almost measure it with a ruler for Pete's sake. It's so 
robust. So uh, uh, that that's probably another part of the reason why the wrapper is not staying as lit as perfectly uh, as something thin and delicate like a Connecticut might if you were letting it, letting it sit for a bit. But um, really, really enjoyable cigar. I think that I did overheat it a little bit entering into the final third. Um, the purging did help, though I, I, I tried to evaluate what the scar was doing right after the purge. And frankly, you just do need to kind of let it cool down a little bit because you run the risk of overheating if you purge and then puff back. Um, a good stick. I really do enjoy that that light roast coffee flavor. And I never thought that I'd specify a roast when talking about the flavor I'm getting off of a cigar. But uh, it 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 works really well with that crispness. Um, and I find that crispness works uh, well in a lighter roast than a bean. But um, it, that vanilla came in in that center, center third, and it really helped round it out and give a little bit more complexity to it. I, I don't get a ton of an overall tobacco flavor. I don't get some of the other beanie flavors uh, like you get from a lot of Cohibas. I don't think that I would – still, I don't think that I would classify this as, a, oh, yeah, that's a Cuban cigar immediately. Um, but that doesn't take away from it. I, I am not saying that to, uh, jump on the bandwagon of some of the people who, who were hating on this cigar saying that, Oh, they brought in a Nicaraguan tobacco to make it. I don't think that's the case. I just think that you're not used to smoking Cuban cigars with a Maduro wrapper and a different method of processing to them. So I think that's what it is. Um, uh, I, I like it. I'm uh, I'm gonna enjoy smoking some more. Cool, that's three. I know I'm uh, I'm lucky. I've got three coups today. <laughs> I really like to do. Excuse me. <clears throat> I got a scratchy throat. I can't hardly talk. Um, I like I said. I've already kind of you know, beaten this in the ground. I really enjoyed it as well. As soon as I can get a good picture of the other one, I plan on firing it up this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> Doing my homework I should have done a week ago. Well, that's all right. I, I kind of purposely uh, left this cigar for tonight uh, as a bit of a grand unveiling. This is a this is a little bit of a special cigar. I've been looking forward to smoking this since I decided to, to crack open the box. Literally crack open the box. I mean, cut the seals and look at the cigars for the first time. It's an exciting moment, isn't it? So, oh, you have something sitting in your humidor for 10 years that you're looking at, and and you finally decide to uh, to pull the trigger. This, yeah. this neat little uh, write-up on what the, what the cigars are all about. That was kind of neat to see in Spanish and English. It's almost like you can see my thumb through it. It's almost like you know, uh, wax paper. Uh, I get that same feeling when I pop open a 10 or 15 year old tin of pipe tobacco and the little paper you held up put, made me think of it. But one of the uh, McClellan is a pipe tobacco blending house. I believe they're in Kansas city, but I wouldn't swear to it. Um, and they're, they're renowned for their ability to process and create uh, Virginia blends of tobacco and in recent years, they've taken to pulling other 
Near Eastern tobaccos into their blends, and they released a series of tobacco blends that each one features and showcases a very specific varietal of leaf from a different region in the near Middle East. Um, very little uh, village specific even in some cases, but mm. there was one and I swear I, I, I will try to remember to look it up before the next show. Um, I don't remember. It may be it's, it's me or, um, it was, it's one of those very specific little varietals and this tobacco, the Corona, the top primings, if it were cigar tobacco are tiny little leaves, just, you know, three inch kind of leaves, intensely flavorful. And then they're further enhanced with whatever local uh, shrubbery they're burning to, to cure the tobacco. And it imparts uh, some really kind of neat flavors to it. But when you pop open that tin, each tin, they include a little, uh, a whole leaf on top of the tobacco when you pop it open. So you got the little leaf there to look at and see what it is you're smoking in a, in an uncut form. And it, I always thought that was the coolest presentation. Yeah, that's, that is really cool. I, I like that. I'd not heard that before. Yeah. It's neat. Hmm. Yeah. That's really darn cool. Ah, gosh, I, you know, I hate to say that I'm a sucker for presentation, but you hear stuff like that and, you know, you see things like this, this write-up. So, that, you know, this, this write-up isn't much. It's it's three by five. And it, it just says in Spanish and in English, Maduro 5 is the name of the Cohiba line, which recovers the tradition of Cuban Maduro wrapper obtained through natural process and, sorry, hard to read when it's see-through, and with five years aging. The three sizes of the line, Genios Magico Secretos, offer new nuance to the personality of Cohiba. Nothing crazy. It's not earth shattering, but it's just it's just another kind of cool touch. Tells you a little bit about it and just enhances it a little bit. It's almost like they know that there's a level of enjoyment when you're cracking open uh, a, a bit of the tobacco, and uh, you know they're they're just enhancing that a, a little bit. And I'm a sucker for it every once in a while. I, I can dig it. Yeah, I, I have worked some Google foo and found this tobacco from McClellan. The series was called the grand Orientals series. And there were, you know, eight or nine different, uh, showcase blends in it. The one I'm talking about was called Smyrna number one. And it says back when Istanbul was Constantinople, it's which is what I thought it was, is what it is called today. That tobacco was previously known as Smyrna. And uh, it says the tiny top grade tobacco leaves from mountainous Western Turkey across from the island of Klos have long been prized as the most aromatic of all Orientals. And this particular leaf is actually air cured rather than cured over the fires the way most tobacco is in that part of the world. So it's a little leaf of Smyrna <laughs> on, on top of the tin when you open it up. That's pretty freaking cool. Yeah, and it's good to back of the boot. Well, you can't complain about that, for Pete's sake. No. If it was crap tobacco. I mean, the presentation wouldn't do much for you. It yeah. would be the AO illusion of the tobacco, of the pipe tobacco world. <laughs> it would be the unduja. <laughs> uh, well, cool, man. I'm, I, I'm glad to hear more about all this. I freaking love, gosh, I love tobacco. 
wish I had more money and I wish there was no negative health side effects. <laughs> eh. Yeah, something's got to kill you. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. The ultimate statistic 10 out of 10 people die. 10 out of 10. <laughs> well, is it uh, time to wrap it up and get you to bed before midnight? Yeah, but I'm going to have to hurry. I got eight minutes. Uh, let's get cracking. Cool. Here's number four. <laughs> so, as always, folks, we certainly appreciate you tuning in, uh, whether you're here with us live in the chat room tonight or listening at some point down the road. And uh, if you want to come back for the next episode, which will be number 164, uh, we'll be smoking the Psycho 7 Maduro, which was one of the... Uh, Blends that was distributed through Phillips and Keene, I believe, if, if I'm not too terribly mistaken. Those were made by William Ventura here in Tamboril, not too far from me. And uh, we'll see how that goes. I, I've smoked those, but it's been a couple of years back when they first came out. So I don't recall that much about them. So I, I won't know until then myself, or I won't remember until then. Uh, but if you want to get back in touch with us in the meantime, you can get us by email to craig at halfashed.com or kip at halfashed.com or through all the typical traditional social media kind of things like Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and of course our own little forum at halfashed.com. You can come check us out, hang out, make fun of Craig, be part of the group, part of the cool kids. Yeah, man, it's uh, it's about time for the the razzing on Craig to ramp back up. I haven't been around. Uh, I've been off-site at this training a lot this week, so I haven't been checking the site as much as I normally do. So if you come by next week, my guess is there's going to be a whole slew of new insults thrown upon me. So it, it's sure to be fun, nothing else. Except it. <laughs> Well, boys and girls, ladies and gentlemen, as we always want to make sure that you know, it's uh, it's a pleasure to be able to put a couple hours in on a Friday evening uh, and uh, do something as difficult as smoke a cigar and have a glass of rum with one of your best friends in the world. Gosh, the, the things that we do for this show, <laughs> it's just so hard. So we appreciate you appreciating us. And, uh, you know, as we say on every night, and we mean it every time, good night, everybody, and thanks for listening. <laughs>